0: All right. Well, howdy. Howdy. Oh, see, that's fun. I can't do that in D.C. Uh, It scares the locals, but it's awesome to be able to say that here. And uh, let me just say, before we jump into our uh, text today, um, many of you know this, some of you don't. uh, I am one of the ever-growing wake of pastors who have been... uh, wonderfully influenced, deeply impacted by the mentorship and friendship of your pastor, Ken Worline. So I always want to stand up here publicly and say, Ken, I love you and I'm grateful for you and our family loves you and is grateful for you and it's just so easy to, to cheer you on in all that you're doing here. And yeah, it's appropriate to clap, whoever that was. Yeah, that feels right. Um So there's that. And you guys helped launch us back in the day in DC. And uh, I'm happy to report, well, you know, DC is not an easy soil to plant a church, by the way. But I am happy to say um, we just recently moved to a new venue because we needed more space. We had to grow. So we're in a new theater uh, at what our neighbor called uh, the Devil's Playground. She said, I can't believe you put a church here. And we're like, oh, wow. Well, me neither. But God's (laughs) called us there. And uh, it's been pretty awesome. So pray for us and thank you uh, because. Part of your generosity to this church, uh, you may not know this, but you have a hand in what God is doing in our nation's capital, and it's pretty awesome, the stories that are coming out of our church, and uh, it's, it's special, so thank you. So with that said, uh, if you got a copy of your scriptures, I want to read to you. From Mark chapter four, what may feel like a surprising amount of scripture. So let me just say that up front. You're going to go, wow, that's, that seems substantive. I'm just going to load it all in your mind now so we can reference it later. So I'm going to read this and I think you'll understand why we're reading a, a bit of a bigger chunk up top. Uh, but Mark chapter four, uh, if you got a copy, I'm starting in verse one. If you don't, uh, just listen because I'm going to read it. So here we go. Uh, speaking of Jesus, it says, Other seed fell on rocky ground where it didn't have much soil and immediately it sprang up since it had no depth of soil and when the sun rose it was scorched and since it had no root it withered away. Other seed fell among thorns and the thorns grew up and choked it and it yielded no grain and other seeds fell in good soil and produced grain growing up and increasing and yielding thirtyfold and sixtyfold and a hundredfold and he said he who has ears to hear let him hear. And when he was alone, those around him with the 12 asked him about the parables. And he said to them, to you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God. But for those outside, everything's in parables so that they may indeed see, but not perceive, may indeed hear, but not understand, lest they should turn and be forgiven. And he said to them, do you not understand this parable? How then are you to understand all the parables? The sower sows the word. And these are the ones along the path where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. And These are the ones sown in rocky ground. The ones who, when they hear the word, immediately they receive it with joy. And they have no root in themselves, but they endure for a while. Then when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. And Others are the ones sown among thorns, and they're the ones who hear the word, but the cares of the world... And the deceitfulness of riches and the desire for other things enters in and chokes the word, and it proves unfruitful. But those who are sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it, and bear fruit thirtyfold, and sixtyfold, and a hundredfold. And he said to them, Is a lamb brought in to be put under a basket or under a bed, not on a stand? For nothing is hidden except to be made manifest, nor is anything secret except to come to light. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. And he said to them, pay attention to what you hear. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you, and still more will be added to you. For to the one who has, more will be given. The one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And he said, the kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seeds on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day, and the seed sprouts and grows, he knows not how. The earth produces by itself, first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. But when the grain is ripe, At Once he puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. And he said, with what can we compare the kingdom of God or what parable shall we use for it? It's like a grain of a mustard seed, which when it's sown into the ground is the smallest of all the seeds on earth. Yet when it's sown, it grows up and becomes larger than all the garden plants, puts out large branches so the birds of the air can make a nest in its shade. And with many such parables, he spoke the word to them as they were able to hear it. He did not speak to them without a parable. But privately to his own disciples, he explained everything. Well, Lord, I pray for us that um, parts of this text would be true of us, that we would have ears to hear. And Lord, as we hear, we'd be changed as a result. Uh, And family, I want to invite you, if you're willing, to just take a minute and you pray and ask him that. Say, Lord, please teach me uh, today. Uh, And then please pray for me, that the Lord would use me and I'd be helpful to you. Well, Father, we love you, and we trust you. Use this time. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Well, several years ago when I lived in Houston, uh, I would join this prayer group with a ministry downtown with other pastors in the area, Uh, and every time I went, uh, me and this other pastor were always reintroduced, and I say reintroduced because I always remembered him, uh, but he never remembered me but he would never say that. Uh, And so people would be like, you remember, Ben? He would go, yeah, and then to prove that he knew me, he would tell a story about our relationship. Problem was, the stories were never about me. So he'd be like, yeah, man, we went and shared the gospel in the third ward together in this bar. This man's a powerful evangelist. And I was like, I've never been to a bar with this man. I remember the next time he was like, man, we played golf together. He's got a mean swing. And I'm like, I've never played golf in my life. Not just not with you, but in life. And I never called him on it. I was never like, why is your mouth filled with lies? You know, I just would kind of go like, hey, hey," right? And uh, we would chat. But I'll tell you, our relationship wasn't deep. It certainly wasn't transformative for us because at the end of the day, the man didn't know me, right? Now, why do I say that? Because Jesus is very popular. I don't know if you know this. He's as popular as ever. Uh, Katy Perry's got his name tattooed on her wrist. Bieber's got his name on his ribcage. Miley Cyrus just sang, I got so high, I met Jesus. Everybody's talking about Jesus. <laughs> there was a recent poll, over 70% of Americans have a positive view of Jesus. But I remember Tim Keller saying, but it's interesting, when you ask people how much they know about him, how little they actually know about what he really did and really said. So what that means is, They like Jesus, but if they're not familiar with him, they just kind of make up who he is in their head. So so they love a a made up Jesus. But, But the problem with your own personal Jesus is he can't confront you. And if he can't confront you, he can't change you. And so if we really wanna be what we're meant to be under God, the men and women that God made us to be, we need to know the actual Jesus as he is. And that's who we get in the gospels. And yet, as soon as I say that, I'll tell you one of the scary things for me is the actual Jesus can be very confusing. Like I remember when I was a young believer, like starting to grow in my faith, I was excited about reading the Bible and I was pro-Bible. And so I would read passages I understood, like I can do all things through him who strengthens me. And I'm like, yeah, man, I can run a marathon in Jesus' name, you know, and cast your cares on him because he cares about you. Yeah, he loves me, here's my problems. And then I would read the gospels because I was feeling it, I'm pro-Jesus. And then Jesus would say things like, because the one who has, more will be given. He who has not, even what he has will be taken away. I'm like, what? Why? Why would you? If he doesn't have anything, why would you take more? What are you taking from him? Why would you do that? When the harvest is ready, the sickle will come. The sickle? Who's got a sickle? Why? Why are you bringing a sickle into it? And I'll be honest with you, when I was a youth pastor here, I avoided teaching the Gospels because Jesus kind of scared me and I didn't understand him. Uh, in some of these passages, but if we can understand what he's saying here, the potential here is that it can change us right now in this room and your family for generations. That's what's on the table today. And so when we're gathering around this moment, we're interacting with Jesus. And just to catch you up with where he is, Jesus's ministry, when he started it, Mark chapter one, he's traveling around and he's preaching and he's healing. And it's the healings primarily that begin to make him famous. So that in chapter 1, it says he was healing in the city of Capernaum. It says a whole city came and packed into the door. By the end of that chapter, it said he could no longer openly go into any town because people were coming from every quarter. And by chapter 3, it says a great crowd followed him from Galilee and Judea and Jerusalem and Idumea and from beyond the Jordan, from around Tyre and Sidon. And he told his disciples, get a boat ready because of this crowd, lest they crush him because he had healed so many that all who had diseases pressed around him to touch him. So it's like, man, he's blowing up here in spring. Now all of Houston, they're coming in from Tomball, Magnolia, Snook, uh, Ohio, Oklahoma, Louisiana. Like Suddenly he's getting a rising popularity. And in the midst of that, he's also getting greater resistance. That some religious leaders initially said, I don't understand you. I don't agree with what you're saying. By chapter three, they say, you have a demon. And yet he's getting rising popularity, greater resistance, but also deeper commitment. And you have men who are following him named apostles. We are official emissaries of the king. And it's in the midst of this environment that Jesus gives this sermon. Mark only uh, gives us two sermons of Jesus. This one is is his big press conference. And so in Mark chapter four, verse one, it says he began to teach by the sea. There's a large crowd. So he got into the boat and sat in on the sea and the whole crowd was beside him in the land. He had to get some separation so they wouldn't crush him. And it was kind of a natural amphitheater. And he starts to preach to them, right? And so in this moment, Mark tells us in verse 2, he taught him many things. And and Mark's going to summarize. There's only so much papyrus you can write on back then. And it wasn't wrong for him to summarize. He's giving us the high points to help us understand the flow of what Jesus is saying. But he says Jesus taught it all in parables, which is a cool word in Greek. uh, Because the word parable is a combination of the word para and bole. Para means alongside and bole means to throw. And so a parable is something you throw alongside uh, something you're trying to say. So what you're doing is you're telling people, hey, do you understand this? If they say no, then you throw this story next to it. And you go, do you understand this? And if they say yes, you go, okay, then you understand this. Parabole, right? That's how it works. So when I was teaching this in D.C., I said, what's happening to Jesus is it's like someone launching a political campaign. You're going around to state fairs, shaking hands, kissing babies, giving little speeches on little stumps. And as you do that, you start to get more and more uh, momentum. You start to get more and more excitement. You get a couple clips that go viral online. Local news starts coming. National news starts coming. And then when you get to critical mass, you hold a press conference. I said, that's what Jesus is doing. I said, did you see that? I just did it to y'all. I said, do you understand where Jesus is? No. Do you understand politics? Yeah. Okay. Paro ballet. And when I did it, they're like, oh, I got it. That's what Jesus.'" is doing. And yet here's the thing, Jesus will never explain it. And what you find is he makes it confusing on purpose. And so notice in this text, it says to them, listen, he's like, I want you guys to pay attention. Now I want you to imagine being in that moment. You hear about this guy healing people and you got someone sick in your home. So imagine you go, hey, there's a guy in our neighborhood. He can heal people. He can cast out disease. So what do you do? You go into the bedroom and you grab grandma. Grandma, get up. There's a guy I think that can solve this for us. You get some people, you help her up. You're making your way. Say, like, I heard he's down here. And you're making your way with your sick loved one. And when you get there, suddenly you show up and dude, the hillside's jammed you're like, man, there's people everywhere. There's sick people all over the place. And there's other people here to just see the show. And you're like, dude, I don't know how we're going to get through this crowd. We got to get to him. And you're trying to find a way to get to the healer so we can touch her. And as you do that, suddenly he gets on a boat and you're like, oh man. And you think he's leaving, but he stops. And you're like, oh, he's going to say something. And so imagine you're sitting there. I got this problem to get solved. And he stands out there and he goes, there's a farmer. And he starts sowing seed. And some of it lands on a rocky ground and, and birds eat it. And some of it lands in and it grows a little bit, but the sun scorches it, and and some of it, it it starts to grow, but then weeds choke it, and and some of it grows a lot. Uh, If you have hears, you should be hearing. And then he leaves. What would you do? What would you do if I did that? Ken introduced me, and I came out, and I was like, farmer, scattering seed, some of it, birds ate it, some of it, sun scorched it, some of it, weeds choked it, some of it grew. You should be listening, fam. (laughs) You'd be like, what was that? It was so confusing, and that's what he does. And it's so weird that Mark does a flash forward. Did you notice that? It says afterwards, and then he'll return to the sermon later. He says it's so odd. He goes to the end, and it says, when they were alone, those around him with the 12 gathered around and asked him about the parables. Then a group comes around, and was like, hey, Jesus. Uh, wild day. Man, that was a record crowd. Um, hey, the story about the uh, farmer. Uh, what? <laughs> what were you uh, thinking? What was that? And to the group that came and asked him, notice what he says. To you has been given the secret of the kingdom. But to those outside, they get everything in parables. So that, and then he tells you why, they may indeed see, but not perceive. May hear, but not understand, lest they should turn and be forgiven. And that's a quote from Isaiah the prophet in the Old Testament. So he's not explaining the parable yet. He's explaining why the parables. But did you notice what he just did? He separated the crowd into two groups. He said, you get the secret of the kingdom. You get to know what God is doing through me. And then there's this other group called those who are outside. And they don't get to understand. And then notice he doesn't just say they don't understand. He says they don't get forgiven. What is forgiveness? What is forgiveness? Forgiveness is if if you and I have a relationship and, and you do something wrong to hurt me, our relationship has a gap. But if I forgive you, I, I move that that sin, that violation out of the way so we can have communion again. And he's saying, you get down the inside of what God is doing. You get to know what God is doing in humanity through me in you. He says, but to them, they not only don't understand it, they don't get a relationship with God. So suddenly it matters a great deal which group you're in. And the million-dollar question is, how do you go from outside to inside? What's the difference between the crowd who doesn't get forgiveness and the crowd who gets to know the thoughts of God? Well, it's not who heard the sermon, because they all heard it. And it's not who really gets it. Did you notice that? It's not like some group was like, oh, farming, amazing, love it. And they were like, what? Like, no one got it. This group came to him because they didn't understand it. So when his sermon was over, no one understood it. Everyone was in jeopardy of going home and going, hey, babe, how was the healer? It was weird. He got in a boat and started talking about farming. Like no one understood what he was doing. So you go, what's the difference? It's not who heard it and it's not who understood it. What makes all the difference in the world? It's their reaction to their confusion. That this group, when he started telling these stories and they realized he's not healing anybody, they were sitting there with just their problems they wanted solved. I wanted a little spirituality in my life. Suddenly he's out there chatting about this and they're like, dude, he's not even doing any miracles. Not even playing any hits off his best album. Bo, heal a leper. This guy stinks, let's bail. And they left. And he says, and that's all you get. What did these people do? They were just as confused. But when they got confused, they went, bail? You don't understand who this is? This is commanding demons to flee. This guy's commanding sickness to flee. He's doing things that only God can do. So no, I don't get it either, but I want to understand it. I want to know him. And so y'all take off. I'm going down there. I'm going to try to get near that boat. I want to understand what he's saying. Will you explain to me what on earth was going on? Because I don't get it, but I want to know. I'm here because I realize I don't understand. I don't know what God is doing and you just might. And even though I don't get it, I'm moving towards you with my confusion, not away. And he says, you're the one who gets the secret. What's the difference? It's a heart that's humble and hungry for him. He says, to you, I'll explain it. Of course you didn't get it. That was the point. I made it just hard enough to reveal your hardness of heart. That's why he told parables. Because when it's confusing, some people go, forget it and leave. But if you press in with your confusion, I'll answer it. I'll explain it all to you. What matters to Jesus, who gets in the kingdom, it's an honest, humble, hungry heart for him. That's the difference. So when I was in college, um, I remember we used to throw these parties at my house and we would do it the first weekend uh, every year uh, of school and like hundreds of people would show up and so our neighbors would always call the cops and so we would tell them like, hey, we have a few friends coming over, please don't call the cops. They just call the cops. But it was interesting. um, (laughs) Something that happened every semester when we would do this, there was this group of guys that came every year and they would eat the food, drink the drinks, and uh, hit on the freshman girls because they didn't know better. They didn't know these guys. And, uh, but what they would never do was come talk to me. It's my house. They're my snacks. <laughs> and I remember by the end, I would just sit on the couch and I told somebody that and they're like, are you gonna go talk to them? And I'm like, no. I just wanna see if it ever dawns on them. You know, I don't know the guy running all this. They know where I'm at. I just wanna see if they have any interest to know me. That's what Jesus is doing here. He's gauging their hardness of heart. The parable is a sifting mechanism. Right? Uh, I remember I had a girl in college uh, when we broke up after dating. She said, You know, I think I just liked the idea of you. Like, it sounds like there's a compliment in there. <laughs> But the reality is somehow disappointing to you. And that's what Jesus is doing. I just want to see, do you want the benefits of the house or do you want the owner of the house? Do you want the blessings of the kingdom or do you want the king? That's what he's doing. If you're just here for the bread and the miracles, that's cool, man. I'll I'll give them to everybody. But if you want to really know me, I'm going to make it just confusing enough to see if you'll press in in the search. I remember when I was in high school, I had a guy at my church offer to lead a Bible study with me and my friends. And uh, I'd never done that. I was real nervous. I I called all my buddies, guys that are way cooler than me. Like I leveraged for this Bible study. And these guys showed up and this dude from my church sat down, told them all that he did a lot of drugs in college. And uh, that was his intro. And uh, then he came to Christ and gave away all his drugs to his friends. And I'm like, where is this going? (laughs) And then he was like, Hey, here's the deal. If y'all want to do this, he said, this is how this is going to go. Y'all are freshmen. He said, sophomore year, this thing will grow. Junior year, it'll probably be big. Senior year, it'll probably be two or three of you guys. And I thought it was the weirdest opening speech. I mean, when guys leave my house, I was like, thanks for coming. I'm so sorry. I barely know him. And, and off they went. And, but you know what? He was right. It, it, it uh, just grew by orders of magnitude sophomore and junior year. And by the end, it was only a couple people left. And so here Jesus at the beginning of his ministry says, this is how this is going to go. A lot of people are going to want to come here, but it's just a few that really want to know me. Do you want to know me? And so he says in verse 13, do you not understand this parable? How are you going to understand the rest of them? He's like, you're not going to understand these. And what's crazy is he tells this story, and and many of you are familiar with it with the seeds, but but what's amazing about the story is it's playing out actually in this room right now. That's what's so wild about the story. It's like, I'm not just explaining what happened then or what happens propositionally when you go home. Like, it's playing out right now. He said, there's four kinds of responses to the word about Jesus. He said, the first one is immediate rejection. He said, it's like throwing a seed onto the concrete. It's just going to bounce off. He said, and that's some people, when the word of God is spoken in their midst, it just bounces off their heart. It's not getting in. That's the person in this room who's been on their cell phone this entire time. That you came in here and you're like, I don't care. I don't care who's talking. I don't care what they have to say. There's just an apathy. I'm here just trying to check in on my socials, see how the game's going, on, which is I'm doing something else. So there's an apathy that the word just never gets in. Or there might be an animosity. There's some of you here, you're like, I don't wanna be here. My parents made me come. My friend lied to me. They promised me brunch. And now suddenly I'm sitting here with you. And uh, you've got some, some issues with church or maybe issues with me or something. you're just like, it's not getting in. Boom, like a seed off concrete. He said, that's some people, it's an immediate rejection. He said, but there's other people. It's also rejection. It's just not immediate. He said, in this group, it's rejection because of pain. He said that the word of God lands, and then when it lands, they they like it. They receive it with joy, but the minute they get persecuted because of this word, they abandon it. Uh, This is the kid at camp. I preached at many camps growing up, Uh, and uh, you would preach, and by the end, Thursday night, Everybody got saved, right? Uh, they're all like, I love Jesus. You guys seem nice. Your music's great. I love Jesus too. We're all in for Jesus. And then the last time you're like, all right. So then when you go back to school, you tell your friends, I'm all in for Jesus. And you see a group of them go, no, I am not doing that. Absolutely not. They will make fun of me. So no, thank you. Uh, this is the group of people that when your coworkers ask you what you did this weekend, you will not mention this. Uh, you'll tell them about the game. You'll tell them about what you do with the kids, but you don't want to mention something associated with Jesus because they might, they might persecute you. They might make fun of you. He says there's some of you that you receive the word with joy. You go, I think there's some answers here, but if associating with Jesus costs you anything, I'm gonna drop. Mm, mm, mm. And he says there's this other group that it's not pain, it's pleasure, which which is a strategy for an enemy like if I'm trying to get something out of your hands there's two ways I can do it first way is pain I can just say give me that you're like no give it to me I'm gonna take it I'm gonna punch you in the face I'm gonna get you and you're like no I'll never give it up like persecution is one way to get it out of your hand the other way is to go oh my gosh dude look at this dog and you're like what is he doing that's crazy you're like hey dude you're blowing up your viral oh that's crazy hey dude if you finished your assignments no I gotta get that done oh my gosh I gotta make some money I gotta do this do they like me do they see me do they notice me and you don't even realize you dropped them you just got distracted, did you notice what Jesus said, by, by other things. And the word of life never really flourishes in you because it just gets choked by other stuff. And, and none of this matters on how much you've gone to church, right, that doesn't really make the difference. Like you can go out in this parking lot for a year and just hammer apple seeds into the concrete, you're not getting a tree. So it doesn't matter like if you've been in church your whole life, it's, it's, it's about the soil of your heart Is it humble and receptive to the message of the king? And so any of these, you can be in church or never in church. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how much you understand it. Remember, these people came because they didn't understand it. And he said, but there's this last soil. And in this last soil, what happens to them? He says, they hear the word and they accept it. And it bears fruit 30-fold, 60-fold, and 100-fold. And some of you hear that and you go, that's neat. I don't know what a fold is, man. We haven't farmed here in a while. Like, I don't understand. Like, is that a good? Like, what's a good fold? Well tenfold was a great year. So when Jesus says, some people, when this word lands in them, the seed sinks deep and it explodes into life. And then he leaves agrarian metaphors behind and he gets into miracle category, 30-fold, 60-fold, 100-fold. And you go, "That's that's crazy. And he's like, yeah, that's what's on the table, that the word of God can enter into a humble heart and change you from the inside out and do things in you and through you you can't even imagine right now. Do you see it? Now, let me clarify a few things before we go get some candy. <laughs> Which soil's a Christian? Well, the last one. You don't plant seeds to not grow a crop. This is what he's looking for. Some people hear that and don't like that. You go, what about these other people? You know, there's some potential there. Think of it like marriage and dating, okay? Okay. Marriage is a huge commitment. And the Bible often uses that metaphor for salvation with Jesus. It's saying, I want you, you want me. I'm binding myself to you in a covenant of love. This is like dating. So this soil is the person that you come up on their app and they're like, nope, mm -mm, not into beards, not into robes. You're gone. Like they're just not interested in Jesus. This is the group that went on one or two dates with them, but then he said something weird. And they're like, "Mm, I don't know. Like, I don't know if you're worth the hassle. And uh, they ghosted him. This is the group that like, Went on a couple dates with Jesus. He seems pretty nice. Things are going pretty well. I like his family. All right, and then what happens? Ooh, but that guy at work started to notice me again. And ooh, he was kind of my dream work crush. And I think I'm just gonna say bye to you. And something better came along, right? So it's flirting with Jesus. But this is the group that says, no, I want him. And what the Bible will present as is salvation is, is it'll present it like in Ephesians 1. Having believed, you were marked with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. That, that when you go, hey, I don't just hear this. I... I I've worked through it. I've asked questions. I've struggled with it. I came to you and go, I don't understand it. And as I've wrestled with you, this thing got down deep into me and it began to change me from the inside out. That's what it is. But let me clarify, that doesn't mean that, that these people were, were saved and then got unsaved. That's not what this means. Don't, don't get th- this metaphor mixed up with salvation. These are people that, that dated him but didn't, didn't commit to him, right? That, that's what the different kinds of fruit production are for. That's why he says 30 60 and 100fold. There's progress in the kingdom, right? Uh, you can struggle and have progress. So some of you you go, "Well Ben, I'm not producing a 100fold crop. I'm not ministering to the poor in Calcutta. I'm just cussing less." You're like, "Great. That's progress." Let's spike the ball at 30fold, okay? There's there's more to be done. There's 60-fold, there's 100-fold. You don't even have a vision for your neighborhood yet or the, or the world, but, but God is working inside of you. That's what this soil is. It's the word gets deep, and what happens? He says, you don't even understand how it's growing. That was the next parable, that you just look up one day and you go, first the stalk, then the ear, and then the grain. You go, I don't even understand what's going on. This is the person that suddenly your friends start asking you, what's different about you? You just don't freak out as much as you used to. You seem calmer. You seem kinder to people. Someone did something that you used to blow up and then you said something like, let's pray for him" or something. You actually forgave somebody. What's going on with you? But but grain takes a while to grow. So you're like, maybe you're like, I don't know. I'm not even sure where that stalk came from of love or that, or that little plant of joy or that little sprout of peace. I don't even know where this fruit is coming from. All I know is I started getting around uh, the word of God. I started showing up at this church. I started showing up at this Bible study. They started to teach it to me and I wanted to know it and I wanted to understand it and I often didn't understand it and i come forward and say, I don't know what that means. And yet as I was getting this word into me, somehow it just starts exploding into spiritual fruit. 30 fold, 60 fold a hundredfold, he begins to change you over time. So that's the other clarifier. It's not, so you gotta produce in order to be a Christian. That's what some people do with this. That Jesus is walking around like a fruit inspector, going, I'll take that tree. That tree's crushing. That tree, you're gone. No, that's not it. Don't miss the point of the story. The point of the story is not how much fruit you produce. The point of the story is he produces it in you. What's the point? The condition of the soil. Do I have a heart that wants him? You may not understand a word of it, I may have read this at the beginning. You're like, I don't understand a word of what this man is saying. That's okay. They didn't either back then. But what does Jesus celebrate? He's not scared of their questions. He's not scared of your confusion either. But what Jesus celebrates is their humble and honest hunger for him. But I wanna know, you have the words of life. I don't get them, but I think you're the man because no one changed history like you. And I wanna know you. And Jesus is like, that is the heart I'm looking for. It doesn't matter how much you've been in church or not been in church, but if you've got a heart that's humble and hungry for me, let me tell you, this is not an ordinary word. This is something that will plant in you and change you from the inside out. That's what this is. The question is, do you have a heart for him? And as you do, let me just say this to close. That last story is the story of inevitability. He says, let me tell you the secret of this kingdom. It's gonna grow, but then here's the secret. The secret of the kingdom was not that there was a kingdom. It's all through the Old Testament, the kingdom's coming, but back then they thought it was going to be a military coup. Messiah comes in, wrecks shop, kills all the oppressors, and sets up a kingdom. And Jesus is like, "No, the secret of the kingdom is it's not a military coup. It's a mustard seed. It's going to start small. It's going to start humble, but keep your eyes on it because it's going to grow. That's the secret that was confusing. It's the plot of Coming to America. If you've seen that movie. If you just roll in as the prince of Zamunda, you don't know if they want you or just want the kingdom. Do they just want your money or do they want you? So you got to come in humble. You got to sweep the floors at McDowell's. You're not even working the fries. But you want to know, does this person just want my stuff or do they want me? And if you want me, all this kingdom comes with me. And Jesus says, I'm coming humble to start. I'm not coming in military coup. I'm coming in mustard seed. I'm not going to bend a bruised reed. And some people are gonna hate that about me, but I'm coming in humble because these are the days of grace. I'm not here to judge sinners. If he came to judge you, who could stand? He says, but I'm coming here with grace. I'm coming here with kindness. He will circle back to this metaphor at the end of his life. When he knows he's about to die on that cross, he says, unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. And he wasn't talking about the word then. He was talking about himself. He said, I can stay alone. I got the kingdom. It's mine. I'm the son of God. I I don't need the hassle of any of this. He says, but if I just choose just me and God, I remain alone. But if I fall to the earth and die, I bring a harvest with me that I take your sin, I take your shame, I take your condemnation, and he who knew no sin becomes sin on that cross. I will take your sin and I will bury it. And it will look like defeat, it will look humble, but keep your eye on that seed because it will burst forth from the grave. And those who put their faith in him, he says, not only do you get a life coach, not only do you get some help in life, you get the king of kings planting his living word inside of you and changing you from the inside out. And so he will change you now 30 fold, 60 fold, and 100 fold, and in the end, you get to see his face and you are a child of the king by the grace of the mustard seed that became a tree that's welcoming all the birds into its branches. Do you see it? The kingdom's coming, it's inevitable. These are the days of grace. Do you know him? If you're confused, he's not scared of your questions. Just keep coming back. Or maybe you've been here a long time, but you've hardened your heart. Man, beg him to soften the soil of your heart because as you're receptive to his word, he will change you from the inside out. So Father, I thank you that you came and stepped into our story and you did it in history, Jesus Christ condescending to step into earth the son of god living among men and women and i thank you god that you told us you don't have to be brilliant you just have to be honest and i will meet you where you are so god i pray for us in this room just save us from just doing a religious thing but may may we be honest with you And maybe for some of us, that's just saying, God, my heart is hard against you. I don't trust you. I got disappointment in the soil of my heart. I got frustration with you in the soil. I got hurt. And let me tell you something. He loves that kind of honesty. Don't be scared of it. He's not scared of them coming up and saying, I don't understand you. And maybe for you, the the next step is just come back next week. Just keep hanging out with the people who know him and see if this story is really real. For some of you, you go, you know what? I have just been so choked out by other things. I'm obsessed with my money, power, and fame. God, would you invite me to a deeper story, a bigger story, would you help me? I want real and lasting fruit of love and joy and peace. These pursuits have just brought me anxiety and anger and fear, and I don't want that fruit anymore. Give me a hungry and humble heart. Some of you have never put your faith in Jesus and this is that moment where what he wants more than anything is you to trust him. Let him be the one who changes you. You don't have to show up here perfect. You just have to show up here honest. And if you believe that he was the son of God, died for your sin, rose from the grave and now lives in triumph in heaven, that's what he's looking for. That you go, I trust you. I trust that Jesus. You can put your faith in him today and then please tell us, let us celebrate with you. That a seed is bursting into life but god i pray for all of us who know you last that we wouldn't just make it through this life trying to be safe but help us god be a people who just open our hearts to you and struggle well and by your grace we see 30 fold 60 fold a hundred fold as as our neighbors and as our nation hemorrhage with doubt and confusion and pain, I pray they would look to the people of Jesus and say, but in the midst of this difficulty, you're thriving. You got love, you got joy, you got peace. Where's this spiritual fruit coming from? God, I pray we might point them to your living and enduring word for your glory and their good. And we pray that in Jesus name.